What's up, everybody? Um, once again, I'm going to be recording this, but uh, do feel free to chime in. You can't be, you're not going to be heard on the recording, but if there's a question, I'll try to re reiterate it so it comes up. Um, so just a quick uh, summary summary of what we did last time. We established that there are um, three types of there are three levels of uh, responsibilities of commandments that we have. The first is us just as human beings as Bnei Noach. Um, then within that there's an additional obligation of us as Jews and within that there's another one as us as B'nai Torah um, and what we started discussing last week was our obligation as as human beings um, something which is applicable to everybody on earth we talked about we quoted a passage that referred to a commandment to Adam HaRishon to cultivate, to work and also to guard and we emphasised last week a lot talk, discussing what Lashomra means. We're talking about first he needs to conserve. Um, we discussed the idea that Hashem is in charge, it's Hashem's uh, the master of the world, not us. Um, and secondly, the idea of guarding for the sake of honor. This week we're going to be moving on and discussing the idea of to cultivate um, to to work. So without further ado, let's begin. The duty to cultivate is much, much more than simply uh, than, than that to guard. Um, and there was an obvious question. I think some. I think we might have mentioned it last week. Um, Aram, um, Adam Arishon was tasked at the beginning of um, when he was still in the Gan Eden to cultivate and loves all the to, to to cultivate and to protect. Now we asked last week. You're in Gan Eden. Who is there to protect from? We're now discussing um, to um, Lovdo. Does anybody have any questions on? on why Hashem would, um, regarding Hashem's commandment there. Any ideas? Any questions? Yeah. Any questions when Abraham, uh, uh, Hashem commanded um, Adam HaRishon to, um, to, to work in Gan Eden? Any thoughts on that? That's a nice idea. Anyone else? So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna discuss that. So one question which I think um kind of shouts out is, Ganeden is perfect. Um, it says that the um first paragraph of Rishit Pasuk Lamed Aleph, um Elokim um et Kol Hashem and It was very good. Um, everything they did was perfect. So what is there for us to do? What is there for us to cultivate? At the end, if the world is perfect, what are we to do? Everybody understand the question? Excellent. So there's really two main responses, um, but we're going to emphasize, both of them are, are true to some extent, but we're going to mainly emphasize the second. The first idea is essentially that the world is perfect when man is in it. That if man is, um, that it's the world without man fixing it and the world without man um um, cultivating and helping is not perfect. However, the world with us in it is perfect. Even um, e and this is by the way is even pre the curse. Um, um, Jacob, you just mentioned that if um, the really the reason why we have to work is because of the first sin um, of Chet, Chet Adam Rishon. 
However, Le'ovda was given whilst he was still in Ganeiden. So, um, so therefore, it's not that we have to um, work because of the sin, but rather we, ha- we always have to work. Um, I'll come back to that just in a second. <clears throat> Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it now. Um, in, in Bereshit, Perigimel, um, Psukim, and Yudchet, and Yutet, if you actually look there, um, it says, um, that the thorns and thistles um, shall, um, it shall sprout for you. Um, and by the sweat of your brow you shall eat. The curse isn't that we have to work. The curse is that we have to work hard. It's that it's going to be difficult. Really, we always had the obligation to work. The question is, how difficult would it be? Simply put, this is indeed a perfect order, provided that man does his part. If man does not, then one of the pieces of the picture has fallen out and the world is no longer perfect. That essentially man, the Ganadin was perfect, assuming the man was there. However, the work, the difference before Chet, Adam, Rishon and after wasn't that we had to work versus we didn't have to work. It's that we had sort of easier work and that we had much harder work. Does that make sense? Okay, um, according to this, um, man needs to kind of um, cultivate um, and basically guard from damage um, to maintain from entropy that things naturally deteriorate. And man's job in this world is to kind of um, rebuild and restore back to how things were. That's the, that's the first idea. But then there's a second idea, which is that man isn't there to simply bring things back to whenever they drop, to bring them back to where they were, but rather to go above and beyond and to keep growing. There's Midrash in um, Tuchuma Parashat um, Tazria that um, Turnus um, Rufus was speaking to Rabbi Akiva and he asks if Hashem wanted, um, we have this at uh, the beginning of this week's parasha, end of last week's parasha, um, if Hashem wanted man to have a Britsmila to be born already circumcised, then why didn't he just create him that way anyway? So it's a good question. If we may have a Britsmila, why aren't we just born already with a bris? So Rabbi Kiva responded, bring me some wheat. And then he said, bring me a loaf of bread. So Rabbi Kiva then asks, um, Turnus Rufus, which do you prefer to eat? Do you want the bread or do you want the wheat? Turnus Rufus says, naturally, I'd rather eat the bread. And Rabbi, Rabbi Kiva then um, responded, um, do you not see that the work of Basavadam, the work of flesh and blood of us, is more pleasant than those of God? This sounds incredibly chutzpahdik. Like it almost sounds like heresy, like fear to say that what we make is is better than that of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. This is Rabbi Kiva speaking. But what's he saying? Man must improve the world. The extent of this depends on how much of a humanist you are. Um, the you know, man should really imprint a lot. Whether he should imprint a lot or not so much. Um, have you guys heard of the phrase humanism? What humanism is? Um, so Wikipedia says humanism is a philosophical stance that emphasizes the value of human agent, um, of agency of um, human beings individually and collectively. Um, however, bear in mind that this opinion, this idea that has really changed over time. Um, sometimes it just means a person that basically people should have an active footprint in the world, that people should kind of like leave their mark and really the world is, is and, and human beings really are intertwined. Um, and sometimes it's more used more in a secular case, which is effectively just religion without God, like um, kind of thing. The how to justify being moral without without God, and 
I'm not necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about um, the more religious humanist side, for example, that's of Rav Yosef of Soloveitchik or uh, Rav Meir Simcha of Dvinsk. Um, they talk a lot about man's need to create. Um, again, uh, Rav talks a lot about that in, in Lonely Man of Faith, which we might talk about later. Um, there's this idea um, mentioned by Plato, actually. He says he wanted to, tr he had this idea for what he called his ideal republic, um, like the perfect country if he was in charge, what would he do? And he decided to try and get rid of um, all the artists because he said, look, you've got the world of ideas and that's the real world. Then you've got, uh, you've got ideas and then an image of that is the real world that we're in. And what artists have is an image of that. So therefore, they're just an image of an image. And therefore, he wanted to kick them out. And he said that it's just too detached from reality. Um, however, later, um, Plotinus basically said that no art actually goes beyond nature. Um, and to some extent, you see this, that... If you have a particular idea, first it's you find it in an artist, in art, then it's actually um, spoken out in terms of literature and by philosophers, and only then do you have scientists who are able to come and actually build and, and understand scientifically what's going on, and then you have engineers who then go and build, and, um, and then it's the business people who then bring it to market and allow everybody to access it, but really the, the artists are kind of first. Um, but it's all this idea of going above and beyond what we know, going above and beyond um, the confines of nature. Um, so really those are the two main main approaches of what um, to cultivate means. One is just kind of like acting as a, a caretaker, so to speak, in the world. Um, and the other one is to go above and beyond and to create um, and build the world further. Any questions so far? No? Excellent. So we're going to talk about now the importance of work. Work is definitely considered uh, a value. What is important um, is the sense of human responsibility and the recognition of the importance of building um, the world and improving society. Chazal say this really um, quite a few times, that to, to actually build the world is, is, is a fundamental value within Yiddishkeit and something which we should be doing. Just for example, Avodah Rabbi Natan, version B chapter, Perek Kafalef, and also Mechilta's Rabbi Shimon Bayochai on Shmot Kaf Pasuk Tet, um, so many, some of us may have said this passage today. For six days you shall um, work and do all of your labor, and on the seventh day it should be um, for Hashem. Hashem doesn't waste words in the Torah. Every single letter is important. This week we've had Abraham and Sarah, um, you know, Abraham and Sarai having their names changed, and there's um, Chazal talk about where the Yud for Sarai, how that was moved from. Hosher to Yahshua, um, because not a single letter is added, not a single letter is taken away. So why in this pasuk do you have the? Are you need? Do you need the first part of that pasuk? What's the function of that? Some might think there's a havmina that it's talking descriptively. Like, okay, we know that you work. This is the reality. This is describing what's happening. However, this is ha however on Shabbos you should do this. That's not the case. Both sides of that pasuk are talking proscriptively, that it's telling you what to do. Work for six days and also um, observe the Shabbos, rest on, on Shabbos. It's not just we have the seventh day for Shabbos, it's telling us work for six days. There's two, two components to that Pasuk. And Malacha, as we know from the Mishkan, is considered to be creative work. Um, therefore, we can, we can see just you know, from, from Shabbos um, and kind of the, the duality there between Shabbos and Malacha, that Shabbos really, um, whenever we have the idea of Shabbos, along with that comes, um, we should be doing work and, and we should be 
um, um, performing malacha and creating the world and, and making the world a better place, more so than just earning money, but actually make, um, building the world and making it better. Another example is Sanhedrin, Daf Kafhei Amad Bet. It's talking about the question is, can a gambler, somebody who, a player of dice, as they sometimes call him, um, is he Pasol Ajus? Can he be a um, witness? And there's two reasons why he can't, brought. Number one is, which we're not going to talk about so much, is because he's a thief. Um, there's an idea of Asmachdalo and Kanya, um, that effectively the person who he was gambling against never thought that he was going to lose, therefore he didn't have the right kavana to give up his money, therefore he's a, uh, the person who wins is a Ganoth, because the person who lost the money isn't really willing to see his money go. And therefore, because really the loser thought that he was going to win. And therefore he's considered to be a gun if he's considered to be a thief. The second answer brought, why a person who's a gambler can't, is puzzle is because he's He's not involved in developing the world constructively. Now, um, there's a couple of nafkim, there's nafkim in here. Has anybody got any suggestions what nafkim in here is? Whether or not a person's puzzle aidus because they're considered a thief. Or whether because they're considered to be unproductive. Any ideas? Bit of lumber, sir. So we've given two two reasons why a person who is a gambler is pasolatus. He can't be a witness. The first reason is because if he's a gambler, he's considered to be a thief because the loser wasn't really willing to, he didn't think he was going to lose, therefore it doesn't, therefore he's stealing by taking his winnings. And then the second answer is because he is, um, he's considered a butt sign, he's not um, developing the world constructively. So what's a nafkamina here between the two, a practical difference between whether he's a thief or whether he's just not contributing to the world? Pardon? Um, potentially, that's a, that's a nice idea. What, what would be the difference? Is he not a thief, even if he gives his winnings to Staka? Oh, yeah, that's a nice idea. So one, one big enough comment. Anybody else? Any other suggestions before... Okay, so the a big enough commenter is what happens if he's only an occasional gambler? You know, he has a full-time job and he, you know, he's, he's living his life. However, um, just on the side, you know, in the evenings as, you know, the football's on, um, he decides to, to, to place a few bets. He's not a full-time gambler. Um, you know, it could be that he's considered to be um, a, still a gunner because of Smarta Lokanya. However, he's considered to be con um, he's considered to be developing the world constructively during the day. Okay, fine. So what he does on the side is, is irrelevant. Um, therefore, there'd be a big nafkam in there. Do you guys understand? An occasional gambler is a big nafkam in So the Rambam in Hilchot Gedela um, Perek Vav Pasuk, uh, sorry Halacha Yudalef, um, he says. Um, he goes like the second opinion. He he emphasizes that he's considered the Basan. He's he's not construct contributing to the world. Um Im Akum, it's not considered to be um theft, although why it's not considered theft is another story. 
אבל יש בו איזו עוסק בדבר בטלים. He's spending his life dealing with useless things. שאין רואי לאדם, it's not fitting for a person, שעוסק כל ימיו, it's not fitting that a person should, should waste their time with these nonsensical things um, all their days. אלא, what should a person spend their life doing? בדברי חוכמה, with matters of wisdom, ובישובו של עולם, and with uh, developing the world. So, again, why he doesn't say it's a problem of Gazela, that's a story from another time. But he comes now has, takes the opportunity to speak more generally. Not just, what's it, um, not just it's bad to waste your time on nonsensical things, but what should a person spend their life doing? What should you con- um, do you know, during your life? Two things. Divrei Chochma and Yeshuvah Shal Olam. Matters of wisdom and developing the world. You can clearly see here from the Rambam that working... Um, the idea of act- is, is actually a value in of itself. It's not just a source of panasa. It's not just for the sake of earning money. Look, I love to be sitting all day learning, but I have to put food on the table. Working is in of itself a value. It is in of itself um, something worth doing. And this is something which is quite important that now you know, we're young, we, can act- we have the opportunity to think about this a little bit rather than you know, being in a position where it's a bit too late. But what are we going to be doing with our lives? Uh, what... Um, with what a person does, with what, what you do during the day, it, can a person leave the world saying that uh, this is what I did to make the world a better place? This is how I contributed. This is how I built either my, my family, my society, my community, um, whether that's something more physical, whether that, that, that's something more um, societal and, and, and interpersonal. What did I do to contribute to this world? How is the world different because I was in it? And to go through, for a person to go through their life and to come out the other side and say, it would have been the same if I hadn't existed, that's a tragedy. Hashem put us in this world for a reason. Okay, we don't necessarily know what everybody's um, job is, but what everybody's, um, what everybody is supposed to be doing, what our missions are, so to speak. But but a person needs to be thinking, is what's my legacy going to be? What have I actually done to make this world a better place? So it's definitely, um, work is definitely something which is tremendously valuable um, with a Yiddishkeit for everyone um, on the planet. So why should we work? We've answered it. Yeah, go on. Right, so um, what's more important, um, keeping Shabbos or keeping kosher? Does that mean you don't think that keeping, that keeping kosher is important?
mean they're not mutually exclusive. How's that reconciled? Um, I'm not. I'm. I'm not too sure. I'd have to um, go over the sources in Pirkei Avot and um, Sirim, um again, but that's definitely an idea which um, many many people hold by. That effectively work is just a source of pronouncer. It's only there um, to put food on the table um, and nothing more. What we're now saying here, though, um, you know, what the Rambam is saying. Uh, and what the Gemara in Sanhedrin is saying, what um, you know, various Midrashim are saying, um, because these, these are just a couple of sources I brought. There are many, many more that go along the exact same vein. Um, is the work is it, it, it's to be so much more than just Pranasa. That there really is a, a, a purpose and a function for work. Um, that I was once speaking to Rav Shech, so he came to Yeshiva, I got an opportunity to speak to him. I can't remember where the Gemara was. But he said that the, the, he quoted the Gemara, again, I can't remember where it was, but he said that there are three, Akash Baruch who cries every day for three people. Um, the first is for people who um, are not in full-time learning, who should be. The second are for people who are in full-time learning, who shouldn't be. And I can't remember the third one. Um, I, I, I apologise. There are some people who, um, you know, it's they they are to be in full time learning, and that's their chayek. That's what they should be doing. Um, and then there are other people where that's not what they that's not their um, that's not what they should be doing. Um, it's important to to discuss that with with the rav. Um, however, balancing work versus learning, that's probably gonna that's next session. Or the next couple of sessions. That's a that's that, it's a big discussion. Um, so far, we, we're going to be discussing, right now, we're talking about the importance of, of work, and then we're going to move on to Torah, and then how to balance the two. But perhaps this is a, a slight different um, approach to, to, to what you've heard before. It's not, for, again, I don't, don't, don't have any spoilers. Um, it's not one size fits all model. There are different different things arriving for different people. Some people should be doing should be spending more time learning. And by the way, it's not it's not either I work or either I I, I learn. Like some there, there there is obviously a million ways to to, to to balance and exactly how much of one, how much of the other. Do they complement each other? Do they um, detract from each other? Um, but it's not a one size fits all model. Um, but Bezrat Hashem in the next few weeks will be talking about balancing work and learning extensively. Okay, so why work? There are three main categories of, of answers. Psychological, social, and religious. Let's go through them one by one. Psychologically. One's self-fulfillment, to some extent, comes through their work. This is 
particularly true of um, of men. Um, now I'm about to quote a, a Mishnah. Um, again, warning: it's not very politically correct. Um, the point that I'm making um, from, or the point that's being brought by bringing this Mishnah in this Gemara, is that if a person doesn't work, then they it, it's not good for their for their mental health. It's not good for them psychologically. As a Mishnah, Ketubot Perakei Mishnah Hey. Um, it's also found in the Gemara, Daf um, Nun Tet Amun Bet. It says, And it lists, uh, these are the various um, pieces of housework, essentially, that a woman should be doing. And it, it, it lists what, uh, essentially, to some extent, what a woman's job is. And the Gemara then says, um, expounds upon that, even if she has servants, people, you know, other people to do the housework for her, she still needs to do something. She starts to do something. And there's two opinions here. There's the first Rebbe Leza and Rebbe Shimon ben Gamliel. Even if she has a um, hundred uh, maid servants with her, um, she she still should be um, asked to do something. She still has to do something. Why? Because idleness leads to lewdness. I think that's how it's it's pronounced. But effectively, if a person um, is is just sitting around all day doing nothing. Now will lead to a loose and um, um, lascivious life. Uh, life that it's not good for a person psychologically um, to just be sitting around all day doing nothing. Even if a husband makes a vow forbidding his wife from doing any kind of work, any kind of malacha, any kind of creative work, he has to divorce her and pay her ktuba. Um, because why? Idleness, sitting around doing nothing, that leads to insanity, boredom, and spiritual degradation. That effectively, if a person is sitting around doing nothing, and um, now, um, of all times, during lockdown, we've really, really seen this, um, rates of like mental health has just absolutely plummeted. Um, it's not just due to lack of contact, um, but a, a, a lack of social contact, but people not working. Um, it puts people in tremendous amounts of, um, of under tremendous psychological pressure, and it's not just the financial element. If you give somebody a, um, even if even if you give people uh, money, um, which and you just just provide them so they don't have to worry about um, bills, they don't have to worry about putting food on the table. Um, if a person's not not working, a person's not doing anything where they can say, I'm better now than I was two years ago, and I will be better in two years' time than I am today, then if they can't, if they can't say that, then that puts them psychologically in, the, in a very difficult position. Um, and uh, uh, unfortunately, you're, um, you're seeing this, like uh, people who win the lottery a year later, they're no happier than they were before, because just, be, just because you have money doesn't necessarily make you, uh, make you happy, um, which and don't get me wrong, like it, it's great if there are all these you know, furlough schemes and everything else, but um, psychologically speaking, not working, it's, it's much more than just not having money. That's, that's the problem. Um, secondly, socially, um, and this is a kind of what Sir Jake was mentioning, that work needs to be done. Um, a society in which people, um, but it's, it's more so than just having the material things there. A society in which um, people work, um, in terms of um, basic structure and values, is very different from one in which they do not work. The Midrash in last week's parasha, parasha Lechacha, so Bereshit Rabbah, um, Perek Lamed Tet Pasuk Chet, um, says, how did Abraham know that he'd, he'd, he'd come into the Eretz HaKadoshah, the 
How did he know when he arrived there? Now, you know, some people um, like to discuss the idea that, you know, he walked in, he felt the Kedusha. Um, but that's not what the Midrash um, answers. He says the reason why he knew he'd arrived at Eretz Yisrael was because he saw people working. What did he say? This is not a land um, whose people um, were devoted um, to the quest of pleasure, but rather commitment to work and responsibility. These are the things that define a culture. And if you look at the difference in, in, in culture, although it's, it, sometimes it's quite hard to read, um, the difference in culture between somewhere like um, the UK and the USA, kind of like Western capitalist societies, versus that in places like the USSR and China, um, it's not just economic policies and, or what people do with their day. The fundamental fabric of society, the structure and values that they have, is fundamentally different in a society where work is valued versus a society where work is, is not valued. Um, and therefore, for social reasons, um, work is tremendously important. And finally, religiously, and, and, and here's a really important idea. A person who works is a partner to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Maise Bereshit. I'll say that again. A person who works is a partner to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Maise Bereshit. There's an idea um, I heard many years ago. How can you be close to a person? You want to get close to Hashem, you want to get close to um, a friend or a family member, whoever it is. How do you get close to a person? The way you get close to a person is you become more similar to them. Hashem doesn't want us to give staka just to put, just to, to have the outcome of now this poor person has money. But he wants us to go through the act, action of giving money so that we in turn become more generous people. Since HaKadosh Baruch Hu is generous and therefore we become more generous, we become more like him and therefore we, we become um, closer to him. And to kind of have that mentality, I can give many, many other examples um, when it comes to um, very, um, various mitzvahs. That to say, okay, how is this changing my character? How is this changing me as a person? And therefore, um, how does this bring me closer to Hashem as a consequence? Um, but, uh, but again, a person who works becomes a, a, a partner. Um, they're in shutzvah, they're in partnership with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Maisa um, Barashas. Midrash in um, Vayikaraba, um, Perak um, um, Kafe um, Pasuk Gimel, um, says that Rabbi Huda ben, ben Shimon, um, in the name of Rabbi Huda ben Shimon, um, after um, Hashem, um, your Lord, you shall, you shall walk. Um, quoting the Pasuk in, in Devarim, Yud Gimel Hay. So what is this kind of mandate saying that you should walk after Hashem, you should kind of imitate Hashem, um, so to speak? And the Midrash goes on to say, at the beginning of the world's creation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu occupied himself with planting. As it says in the Pasuk in, uh, in Bereshit, Perak Bet, Pasuk Chet, um, From the very beginning, Hashem was planting. He was building the world. So too, when you enter into Eretz Yisrael, when you enter into the land, you should occupy yourselves first with planting. Which is why it says in the Pasuk in Vayikra, Perak, um, Pasuk Yutet, Pasuk, um, kaf um, gimel, and v'chi tavu al aret v'netatrem kol et. That when you enter into Eretz Yisrael, you should be planting fruit-bearing trees. That's the, the the first thing that you should be doing. Why? Because just as Hashem um, um, started planting trees from the very beginning, so too you should plant trees at the very beginning. Then um, there are very very many um, interactions that, that have the same kind of thing. That by emulating Hashem is to emulate, um, is to become closer to him. And therefore, um, as Hashem created the world, Hashem spent, um, 
you should, you should, we, as Hashem spent, Hashem spent six days um, creating the world, so too we, and so too we should spend six days and doing all of our work. Um, so again, those, those are the three main um, ideas for works, um, psychologically, socially, and religiously. Any questions so far? Okay, excellent. The work has, to some extent, a um, redemptive um, nature. Um, Thomas Carlyle, in his early work, um, 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 Sartor um, Re Resartas, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, talks about how he was in this state of despair, what he called the everlasting no, the sense um, of lack of purpose, of meaning, of direction, of substance in life. That then turns into what he called the center of indifference. And then because of work, he was then able to go to what he called the everlasting yes, the um, this kind of more the sense of, of optimism. Work is the center of the everlasting yes, because it has a redemptive capacity. Um, there are tremendous benefits um, from um, from work. Um, the benefits can be can be viewed, firstly in a, in a secular light. Um, there, to some extent, there's this great romantic um, quest to place um, the world under man's imprint. However, we should be looking at work fundamentally from from a religious um, from a religious element. That this is something which um, which helps us and gets us closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Now, Hashem's um, commanded us. Um, to work, but seemingly in two places. The first one's in the first paragraph of um, Bereshit, um, 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 that uh, um, Hashem um, says to man, you know, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and master it, to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all living things that creep on the earth. But essentially, this is kind of Hashem giving us the right to live, um, to, to rule. Uh, he's giving us the right to um, basically um, the entire land and to all the animals, uh, um, the, all the fish, all the birds, etc. And it's, it's a matter of rights. However, in the second paragraph of Dolor Shamar, that's a matter of obligation. This is Hashem telling us, okay, it's not just this is what you can do, but this is what you have to do. Um, in the Western world, there is unfortunately... Um, this is a something which we which we which Yiddishkeit disagrees on. That essentially you should work for leisure and for hedonism. Um, do you guys know what hedonism is? Hedonism is effectively um, trying to live a life where you're seeking pleasure. It's also avoiding suffering, but primarily just just living for the sake of leisure and pleasure and just enjoying yourself um, essentially. Um, and there's this idea that you should work. For the sake of um, you know, so so that you can have leisure. Yeah, you should spend all week uh, all week um, working, so that then um, on the weekends you can then enjoy yourself. So that you can then take that two week holiday. So that you can buy this nice car. So that you can um, um, enjoy yourself. Um, but that kind of says, well, then you shouldn't. It's better if you don't work at all. That less work is therefore better. And we 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 reject this idea. Um, there's a whole literature about the problems of, of leisure precisely because work is perceived as a necessary evil and not as spiritually redemptive. If you're working nine till five, you're spending a third of your life um, pretty much working. That should be something which is um, something which is positive, something which you're um, engaged in, something which you're proud of. 
And to basically say, for because a third of your life you're sleeping, a third of your life you're working, and a third of your life for everything else. If you're going to say that uh, essentially two thirds of your of your life is just is just dead time, you're just not doing anything. Um, that's not taking um, things to. That's not that's not particularly healthy, um, which is po- which is possibly a, a reason contributing to why um, modern society is so um, so depressed and so anxious, etc. Um, but whereas for us. Um, the sense of the importance of work and having a work-oriented life um, is part um, is part of the universal mandate. As both as humans, as Jewish people, and also as B'nai Torah, um, this is a central part of our being. Um, I'm going to log off now, and I'm going to re-click the link because we're about to be shut off. Um, I warn you, what I'm about to say next is quite harif. Um, I'll see you guys in a minute. Give a minute for people to come back. A couple more points, then we'll wrap up for the evening. Hope we haven't lost anyone. I believe that's everyone, so I'll carry on. Um, just as a warning, what I'm about to say might be a little bit kharif. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term. I like to use it in Israel. Um, it literally means spicy, um, but I guess it's the, the opposite of sugarcoating something. Um, it's to be a little bit, not blunt, I think that's a, that's a bad translation. Um, but some, it's quite a, a strong, a bit of a harsh point. Um, the point which, which Ravan then made next, um, which I think is um, actually got a bit worse perhaps since he wrote this, um, was primarily directed towards um, American Jews, if anything. But it's what he called glatz kosher hedonism. Uh, it's basically hedonism with a hechsha. Um, uh, um, well, I'll, I'll explain. In the past, it wasn't really possible for a Jew to be hedonistic. The, um, the, the, the fancy restaurants weren't kosher. You didn't really have very many kosher hotels. Um, it was the, the gentlemen's clubs and all these other um, establishments, which were often associated with leisure and, and, and things like that, um, a lot of them just straight up said no Jews allowed. Um, however, now, like, when I say now, I mean like in the last 25 years or so, um, there's kind of a message amongst the, uh, the, the, the Orthodox, the from Jewish community, basically saying enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Whatever the non Jews have, we should also have as well. We have kosher restaurants and casinos and uh, cruises, not casinos, but kosher cruises and, and even, even in some instances kosher nightclubs. Um, and uh, this is to some extent a certain um, debasement of values. Um, it's 
that people are um, still um, thinking about and trying to, to, to work out all of the little minutiae of halacha and all the different khumras and you know is this you know is this glutton is this okay is this everything completely kosher which is of course very important however with a complete lack of awareness for the context which is under um, of the underlying message which is totally non-halachic and anti-halachic now don't get me wrong um, we're not saying you can't enjoy life you have to live your life as you know you're completely poor and you can't enjoy anything um, believe me I, I i enjoy a good meal myself um we're not saying to live live like a monk and, and just for context the um a lot of the briskers so like people like like the rav um and rav Aron, um they get this uh, this this perspective from or this this worldview from the rambam um which is you shouldn't be to one extreme you shouldn't be to the other extreme you should you should be in the middle um and however if you are at one extreme the way to kind of get yourself back to the middle is you to try to move yourself to the other extreme um and therefore um hopefully you'll end up in a, in a healthy balance rather than going too much to the side he's not saying that you have to go to one extreme and and, and you have to not enjoy anything and you have to you can't you can't ever um enjoy yourself um, but on the other hand he's saying you can't just spend your life constantly pursuing um, enjoyment that that's what it is that you're doing or everything you're doing is for is is for pleasure and essentially living um, a hedonistic um, life um, in fact Ravon says that he doesn't live his life um, in a in a very um, what's the word where, where, where you don't where, where you're not engaging in in any kind of um, pleasure or any of the enjoyments of this world um, he didn't live like that, and he he doesn't believe that that, that we have a, a chiyuv to to live that way ourselves. Um, however, yes, that's it. Um, ascetic life. Thank you. Um, um, now we're not saying that there that of course there is room in a person's life to have a certain amount of pleasures to to, to enjoy themselves to some to some extent. But the question is, what's the basic um, perspective? How much um, does he involve himself as pleasure? Is this something which occasionally happens on the side and it's great? Or is this something which, no, that's the fundamental um, purpose of his being. That's what he's constantly uh, striving for. Um, does he see himself as basically born to enjoy? Or is he basically born to work? What's the ikka and what's the tofa? What's essential and what's just something that's, that's good on the side? Uh, the, the example that he gives is um, people who will read up um, like food critics for, for different airline foods talking about you know this this place is too salty this place is not salty enough this place is the vegetables are too fresh this place the vegetables aren't fresh enough um and he's saying and he effectively says that it's it's ridiculous to be to be spending so much of your time to go to go to so much efforts firstly to write and then to and then to then go on and read um such things it's like you're you're you're, you're emphasizing so much um not um the um you know what how, how good the different various types of foods are um, that's not what a person should um, be spending their entire lives um, de- dedicating themselves towards. Um, to some sense, um, this feeling has um, permeated our world, this, uh, this idea of, of, of hedonism. Um, the whole culture of enjoying has begun really to, to take hold within, within the Orthodox community. Um, this is something which is, which is very recent, again, like the last 25, 30 years, um, and with which somebody who is a bentar certainly um, should in no way um, identify or associate. Again, there's nothing wrong with going to to, to a kosher restaurant. There's nothing wrong, wrong with enjoying yourself, but to have the extent where that is the purpose of your life, that is what you feel like you're born to do, it's a problem. The whole culture advocates um, that man is born for pleasure, um, but unfortunately um, has to work in order to enjoy it. Um, in contrast, we have to know um, that, um, as it says in, in Eor Perak Hei Pasuk 
Zion, um, Ki Adam Lamal Yulad. A man is born to do labor. A person is, is born is is born um, to do work. Straight out of the earth. Now, the Rambam, which we quoted earlier, says the person should be doing one of two things: Yeshiva um, Shalom and Divrei Chochma. What does um, what? However, he doesn't say is how we break down between the two. As Jacob was mentioning earlier, how do you balance working and doing Divrei um, Yeshiva Shalom and Divrei Chochma, which includes um, learning? Um, to to what extent should one engage in in one? Is it um, engage in work both constructively um, but, and also of, of course to earn a pranasa the Gemara in Sanhedrin Duff Nun Tetam Lalef and says the name of Rebbe Meir even if you're not Jewish and you're and who's still engaging in Torah this person is like a Kohen Gadol that the um, this obligation to to involve ourselves with Divrei Chochmah isn't just for Jews; it's for it's for everybody. Now the Gemara then goes on to say that when when he talks about being Oseh for Torah, it's actually also for somebody who isn't Jewish to learn Torah. This is talking about the Sheva Mitzvot Shabbat Noach, the, the the seven Noachai laws. This is also just talking about general um, wisdom and, and and philosophy rather than um, you know sitting learning uh, le- learning Tosfos and learn um, about about Shabbos kind of thing. Um, but if there is a if there's not if a person who's a or who's not Jewish who involves themselves in Divrei Chochma is called by by Rebbe Meir in the Gemara like a Kohen Gadol. Kavachomer for us who have an obligation who have been brought up surrounded by Torah. Kavachomer all the more so, and that we should be learning. As as we as the famous um, line in Yeshua Parakalaf Pasuk Ches, Lagita Boyaman Valala, you should meditate on it um, day or night. Now. Um, how how do you balance these things? How uh, on one hand you know we we've been saying that the person has to work and the person has to contribute to the world. But on the other hand, you know Talmud Torah Kinegu Kulam. We're trying to um, how do you how do you possibly balance these two? Um, how how is it okay to, to 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 work when there's Torah there? How how can you um, you know spend your entire life learning Torah and then not contribute to to to, to the world um, in general and um, Okay, we've discussed um, how on one hand you have hedonism, on the other hand you have you know being work and being constructive, and we said that what takes priority. But what versus Torah? What what is the essence? What, how should we conduct ourselves? What's more important, and how how should we balance the two? That's a shift for next week. Um, I say next week, not quite. Um, this entire discussion we've had so far entails the assumption that um, subsequent to Kriyatza Brits, which we had a, a, this week's parasha and last week's parasha, um, with Akadosh Baruch Hu, we are still bound by the more general norms that preceded it. The, 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 the Shevet Mitzvah, Shevet Noach, and the, the, the universal mitzvah that everybody has to keep, um, we, that we still have to do those um, as well. However, we need to just address um, those assumptions. Um, Next week, we'll talk about our relationship with Hashem, talking about Shabbat. Um, are we renewing or completing the Torah? Um, can Torah permit what universal law forbids? That's an interesting discussion. If there's something which is also um, to everybody on the, in the world, can the Torah, um, if that's like an added layer on top of that, can the Torah then permit something which is otherwise also? Derech Eretz Kalmah Torah, and just generally being a mensch and a ben Torah. Um, we'll discuss that next week, and then once we're done with that, we'll move on to balancing work versus learning.